Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jamie Creel with Shelter Insurance. Come see how we've built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our Switch and Save. Located in Ridgeland and Florida, Mississippi, give us a call, 601-992-6000. This is Rebecca Turner, and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. You're listening to Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and things to do. Now, now, here's Rebecca. Good afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You're tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. Don't forget, you can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Super Talk Mississippi app. And of course, you can always find us on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. And you can watch us too. We are on your computer or your mobile device. Just head on over to supertalktv.com. And today we're going to learn more about a new piece of art in Hattiesburg's Pocket Alley. It's called Say Cheese. And it is said to please even the most discerning of palates. I love to hear that. And joining us is the artist herself, Miss Karen Loy. Hey, Karen. Hey, Rebecca. How are you doing? I am doing well. Congratulations on your new permanent installation there at the Hattiesburg's Pocket Alley. We're looking at it over at supertalktv.com, and I love it. It looks like a big cheese wheel. Yes, thank you. Yes, it's exactly what it is. Okay, so first, if folks haven't heard of Hattiesburg's Pocket Alley and that it's a museum, how do you describe it to people um, who haven't ever been there? Um, It would be a a nice little surprise that you kind of walk up on. They like to describe it as like a secret alley, and it has exhibits, art murals. It has tiny little uh, window exhibit that changes out monthly with their own theme, and then they have even a little art gallery where you can contribute your art uh, from home and also take them on artists right out of the, the gallery. So you're not new to this. You have This is your first, I think, permanent installation, but you've had other works uh, there throughout the times. How many works have you had within the Pocket Alley? Um, I have not been counting. I kind of do just weekly art drops. I'll, I'll leave a little bit here and there in the gallery. Uh, I Honestly, I, I'd probably put it over like 40 to 50 little pieces. Okay, so you really sort of invested in what they're trying to do there, obviously, too, and bringing art in such a uh, accessible way to the community, because from what I uh, realize or have been told, it's open like 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's not like your typical museum. It's literally, it's literally an alley. It's absolutely, it is. It is. You can go as you please and walk it at your pace, and you kind of just discover different things that you might not have seen the first time. And a lot of stuff changes, so it's it's not the same as like a month ago. Well, if it's permanent, then you're going to see it every time, which is your new installation, <laughs> which is a permanent one, which is Say Cheese. So tell us the inspiration behind this and how and how you kind of picked what you picked to do. Uh, well, I was contacted by the museum um, if I was interested, and I said sure, and I just went down to the alley and started looking around at ideas, and I saw the manhole cover. And it had, like, a square cutout of concrete. And I thought this would be a really cute cheese plate. And it kind of just snowballed from there, all the different elements that I added to it. And uh, just made it really fun and whimsical. 
When I look at a manhole plate now, I'm always going to think about cheese, which I can appreciate (laughs) that. Uh, Was it is it hard to paint like because when you're looking at it, it looks so lifelike. It almost looks um, 3D, I guess, would be a way of saying it. Is there a different technique or style that you have to use when, I guess, painting on um, a street versus if you're just painting on, you know, a normal sort of canvas or paper or I guess a wall? Right. Uh, there, there were some things to take into consideration because um, the manhole cover is, um, you know, the metal and then the concrete. So the type of paint to use, um, weather, I'm sorry, weather specific paint, um, and also knowing that people are going to walk on it. So I had to have a clear, really durable finish for the top. So there's also a little Milo, I've heard, or a little mouse somewhere around there that uh, can enjoy this cheese or is part of the, I guess, is Milo part of the permanent installation there at the Pocket Alley? Or tell us who Milo is. Or is it Milo? Um, it, It's Milo, yes. And he, he is part of the Pocket Museum. Um, they have him as their little curator for the museum pieces. It's, it's, it's always so sweet and whimsical, all the cute little stuff they come up with. But that's him. And then... And I kind of just spun off that idea that, you know, these are Milo's friends and the little mischief that they get into down at the end of the alley. Because that's where your mind would go if you allowed it to be childlike and you thought of an alley not being scary. That's what adults think of it. But kids <laughs> probably think of it as, hey, that's where, you know, the mice come to play or the animals go to roam. Right. And so absolutely, I can see where um, that would definitely sort of fit in. And so this is there for, I guess, as long as the good Lord leaves it on the manhole cover. Exactly, yes. Well, this isn't your only accomplishment in Hattiesburg as an artist. I saw where you recently won first place at the Hattiesburg Arts Council's Take a Seat ex- uh, exhibit. What was that all about? Congratulations. Oh, I, thank you. Um, that was, um, they did a call for artists that I answered, and they did an art show that included um, existing chairs that were embellished, or you created your own chair. There were two different categories, so I did... Um, an existing chair, and I was inspired by the old uh, gossip benches, the chairs, and I made um, a bench chair, um, basically kind of telling the story of a military family, and it's called uh, Calls Home, and it has a little old telephone and a telephone box to set on and um, a mural on the background of it, so... It came out very nice. Well, Karen, it feels like you paint everything but traditional things like canvases, <laughs> walls, or sort of paper. <laughs> when did you sort of get inspired or, I guess, fall in love with, you know, painting out, not, uh, well, outside of the box, so to speak? <laughs> kind of outside of the canvas. Uh-huh. Um, just just in general, um, I, I just kind of get ideas and inspiration from everywhere, and I just try to make you know, make it work in different ways that I like. And sometimes it will, yeah, it'll be on a chair or it'll be like um, I've done on ceramics, on wood, on a a lot of different mediums. But um, just however I feel will suit the little curious message that I'm trying to pass along. You and I read, too, where you and your kids sort of took to the streets or at least the sidewalks during COVID as a way to sort of obviously have creative expression, but then just something to do. Um, How are you uh, sort of instilling that sort of freedom of creativity, obviously not on your home furniture, but just on whatever um, to your to your small children? 
Oh, yes. Well, we we have no shortage of art supplies in our house, and they are out pretty much all the time. And the sidewalk talk has continued. Our our driveway is continuously covered in different creations. And our children age from 4 to 15, so the they come up with some of their own unique things that they think outside of the box, and it's it's just been really interesting to see the different ages, how they create their own, you know, different sense of what we're talking about. So we could be talking about uh, rainbows we did last summer for a week, and they all went in different directions with it. So, And reminding us parents it's okay if kids make mm-hmm. a mess, right? Like it's part of the creative process. Some of us parents it, me, yes. <laughs> need to be told that, like, it's okay to allow kids and their creative freedom to, to be a little messy at times as long as it's contained Absolutely. and outside. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. We love, like, big messes outside for sure. Like, we know we're going to be messy. We've done tie-dye that's outside and, you know, other things we'll do inside. We, uh, we've we dyed rice and we made different little things for sensory boxes inside. But mess is part of the process and it's part of learning, like, what works and what doesn't work. So, it's required. <laughs> it's re- mess is required. I feel like that is a bumper sticker or something you should should hone, Karen, because it, it is true, and that is where you kind of allow your kids to to express themselves and sort of figure out uh, different things. I've got a little artist in my house, and so I, I'm trying to embrace, you know, the mess that it, that it is, because that is not how my uh, my brain works. But when it's I see hard. the cool <laughs> things like uh, the pocket museum and other sort of ways, you realize that. Art can take many forms, and it can bring such joy uh, to people in the simplest ways, like your Say Cheese Wheel there in an alley in Hattiesburg. How can we find the Pocket Museum, Karen? Okay, so the Pocket Museum is affiliated with the Sanger Theater in Hattiesburg. So if you are at the Sanger Theater, and I know they like to keep it kind of a secret, that is their little motto, um, but if you're by the Sanger Theater and there's an alleyway next to it, you're most likely in the pocket alley. You'll notice um, overhead is kind of the giveaway. They have uh, a walk bridge in the alley that looks like it's made out of Legos. All it's right. very vibrant and colorful. So once you see that, you've you've made the right turn. And if you see a big piece of cheese on the floor that's painted there, then you're probably also <laughs> in the right direction. Where can we exactly. find Milo if we look for him? Or, or you know what? Don't tell us. First, we'll find the alley. <laughs> And that's then most we'll, the fun. That's that's the fun. Then we'll find my, uh, Milo. But go out and enjoy it because I know you and your um, husband and family are moving, and I know the Pine Belt's going to miss you and your your art, Karen. But we appreciate his service, and I appreciate your time. Oh yes, ma'am, definitely. Thank you for talking to me today. All righty, you guys stick with us. We got more for you coming up next. You just want Making your afternoon just a little brighter. It's Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi. 
forget you can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Supertalk Mississippi app. We hope you know you can always find us, too, on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. But be cool and tune in at supertalktv.com so you can watch us on your computer or your mobile device. And we get to watch the band from South Jones High School head to Dublin, Ireland. But it won't be this year. It won't be next year. It will be in 2026. But the band director, Brian Joyce, is joining us today because this is pretty cool. Hey, Brian. Hey, how are you guys? I am doing well, and I know you guys are all geared up and excited. When I saw it come through, I thought, how much fun would this be? And we've talked about it here uh, frequently on Good Things, because how cool is this in high school to be able to go to Dublin, Ireland, and, and to march in a true St. Patrick's Day parade? So we have so many questions. Number one, how does this happen? How did, how did you get to this point where you guys get to go and do this in 2026? So there's a there's an application process uh, that you have to you have to fill out an application. You've got to get some approval from uh, your governing bodies of the school board and the principals and whatnot to to almost even apply. And then uh, you have to send off some videos and some recordings and some uh, recommendations and whatnot. Uh, they have a whole committee uh, of people that are in charge of this for uh, the St. Patrick's Day parade and festival um, in Ireland, and it's it's a pretty pretty large ordeal over there. Uh, and they, they try to plan several years out, which is, you know, why it's for the 2026 year for us. Um, but, but anyway, so yeah, you just got to put all this stuff together. It's a, it's a pretty, pretty lengthy packet, but it's, uh, it's definitely worth it in the end. So Brian, whose like decision was it? Cause it feels like it's almost like a lottery shot. Like you're like, we're going to do all this. We're just, you know, you got to be in it to win it kind of thing, but probably not going to happen. But let's, it'd be cool if it did. Was this like your dream all along to maybe take the band there or did someone else bring it to your attention or is it more pop, more more, um, I guess, common than I realize for bands to try and, and do things like this. Well, there's there's a lot of parades out there that require applications. Obviously, this is one of the big three: the uh, Ireland Parade, the Macy's Parade, and the Rose Bowl Parade. Um, they're they're kind of the, the big three that you want to get into. Um, it's a it's it's always kind of been a dream to take the kids uh, from the school here. Uh, to a new place so that they can see something different and immerse themselves in a different culture and and just have some other experiences outside of what they're going to do on a normal day-to-day basis. And so uh, what better opportunity to do that than do it internationally in a place that also speaks your language? And uh, it's a relatively simple um you know, cultural experience for them and, and not having a, a language barrier there, I think also enables it to be a pretty a, enjoyable experience for them. Um, so, you know, I guess to answer your, your question, it's, it's just kind of one of those things that's a, it's a dream that you have for your band program and for your kids to, to be able to, uh, to take part in. And, you know, you've, you've got to get to a certain place before, uh, before you can really apply to those kinds of things. But we felt like we were, we were pretty close to that and we would test the waters and see how it goes. So in terms of, I guess, uh, band competitions or, you know, I guess you'd have to have that sort of next level in terms of band performances for them to even look at you. They want the best of the best, right, in their parade. How is sure. uh, South Jones, you know, band doing? Like, how would you say or how many years have you been there sort of prepping them for this moment to even be able to apply? Well, the the last couple of years, um, we've started dipping our toes into the uh Bands of America world, which is, uh, I guess, arguably the a more competitive, um, uh, competitive realm for marching band, um, and it, it utilizes bands from all across the country. Uh, they do regional competitions um, around 
around the country throughout the year that all culminate to uh, Grand Nationals in November. Uh, and we've been participating in some of the regional events uh, lately. And the past couple of years that we've we've done that, we've uh, won our classification at those regional events, which is a pretty a pretty cool thing to go to your first one to not not only just to make finals, but to actually win your classes is a is a pretty cool thing for the kids to experience. And then um, here in the state of Mississippi, the the, the students are. Um, a three-peat winner of the uh, Mississippi High School Activity Association State Marching Championships for uh, for 5A. Uh, and so they, the kids have been working terribly hard over the last several years, and, and uh, they have achieved a lot of really great things, uh, and, and it's only because of how hard they've worked. Absolutely, which comes to the next question that we've all wondered. Okay, this is 2026. You put in your application with the 2023 band. You know, math is hard, but we can all, I guess, understand that you've got seniors that will have been graduated, potentially in college. You'll have, you know, sixth or seventh graders who will then be part of the van who weren't part of this group. How do you handle that, Brian? Like, is it the 2023 band that gets to go or or how does that work? What we've told the what we've told all the kids is that um, if you were a part of this band program that and you were a part of the reason that the band was accepted to this, you are more than welcome to participate in this event if you would like to. Uh, and we, so we're not going to close that door on anybody who's graduating. Uh, and uh, we're, we're working on a process to, to make sure that they've all got music in advance and they've all got they all know their drill assignments and things of that nature. Um, the parade formations are a little bit easier than your normal. Uh, Marching band shows that you see at halftime, uh, particularly for this parade, because it doesn't really stop a whole lot, uh, and so you kind of you kind of stay in one formation the majority of the time. So as long as they can all get on their music and can all show up to the band hall a couple days in advance, um, we should be good to plug in the folks that are, uh, I guess, for lack of better terms, retired from their high school band experience. But uh, we want to make sure that everybody who's had any hand in this is um, is, is welcome to attend, and that, that creates a little bit of a logistical headache for us. But I think it's worth it in the long haul because, uh, like I said, without those students that are uh, graduating this year and in the coming year, uh, without them, this none of this would be possible. Good answer, because I was going to feel really bad for <laughs> for the seniors oh, sure, that sure. have to no, live we... with that forever. It's like, or could they go oh, back yeah. and be chaperones? We were trying to figure out all the ways we could get the seniors uh, there to double it if they, if they wanted to. The other thing Absolutely. is, do you have to ship your um, like your tubas and your equipment, like your instruments? It doesn't feel like just a normal flight you're going to have to take. Like there is big time equipment to get international. Have, I mean, how does that work? So there's there's options. Um, you can actually check your instrument like a checked bag, um, and that's the that's kind of the preferred method for me as a band director. Um, however, I'm sure the students would would disagree with uh, wanting to roll that sousaphone case all the way through the airport. Um, but we uh, we've we've got a version of it. You can you can actually. Uh, essentially ship them uh, all in like one container. Uh, the only kicker is you gotta you gotta be without them for about a week or so, um, as the, as it does take a little bit more time to ship that quantity of large equipment uh, across the ocean. Uh, and so uh, we're, we're we're exploring both options. Uh, we're not as I, I know I don't want to sound you know whatever about this. We're not as concerned about the the financial aspect of it. I, I'm more concerned about making sure the kids feel comfortable with their instruments, getting where they need to go, and and I don't want to overload a student in the uh, in the airport. So we've got those pretty much those two options. Um, but in this moment, I think that that's that's money well spent if we can 
make everybody comfortable in the, tra- uh, the the travel process. You brought up the financial part. I mean, that's one good thing to have a big trip like this for high school students. And I'm sure family members are going to want to go or chaperone or those that can for a couple years out. I noticed on uh, Facebook pages and others that you've already started sort of the fundraising and different events and ways to do that to help the South Jones band get there. So what are y'all doing? How can we help if we feel led to or what events are going on if we want to support what you guys are doing? Wonderful. Well, we have on our uh, on our uh, our website, which is uh, easy to find, southjonesbandofbraves.com, dot com. Um, there is a donate tab uh, and or a fundraising tab, and we'll keep everything live on there as things are going. Uh, we'll run several different different fundraisers between now and then. The the trick right now is keeping the functionality of the band where it needs to be while still being able to uh, set money aside for. Uh, for the trip, obviously, for the students. Um, and so our goal is to kind of use a sliding scale. And this year, uh, 25, uh, with our overall fundraising, 25% of what we make in our fundraisers are going to go towards uh, the trip. But we're going to do a couple of fundraisers a year that is strictly geared towards that. Uh, and so uh, we'll keep those posted on our, uh, on our social media, which is our South Jones, uh, South Jones Band, um, and also on our, on our website. Uh, and we'll just keep everybody up to date on there as much as we can. And, and over time, uh, we'll go from 25% to 50% to getting closer to the trip. Just about everything will be going towards that uh, so that we can, again, try to bring that cost into a, a very reasonable uh, place for the students because uh, that, to me, is, is key to making sure everybody gets a chance to go is making sure that it's a completely affordable, which we're on track to do that right now, and there's several good plans in place to, to make that happen. So Rhino's not here today. He took the day off, but I have to ask, can, we wanted to know, do you need chaperones? Because we <laughs> Absolutely. Come on. We'd be glad to have you. Uh, and, and, you know, it's so appreciative of you guys even thinking about uh, bringing us in for this, uh, for this talk show. Um, but, yeah, we would love to have you guys. It would be wonderful. I think it would be a lot of fun, particularly like Ireland is on a bucket list for so many of us. But then also during, like, St. Patrick's Day and then getting to experience, sure. you know, the entire parade and the culture and sort of all of that. And so I think it's cool. We'll keep up with you. We'll definitely hopefully check in in 2026 and see how your trip went, Brian. But best of luck to you guys and the band as you continue to compete and soar throughout the next couple of years. Thank you for your time. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having us. All righty, we've got a temperature debate coming up next here on Good Things. Rebecca Turner. She looks healthy and sane. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. You can 
watch good things. We are on your computer, your mobile device. You can watch it on Roku, Amazon Fire TV devices, even YouTube. You can also watch good things live on Ceasefire TV if you've got that. We are on Channel 70 right next to the Weather Channel. You can also catch good things in podcast form wherever you listen to podcasts. Mark from Gulfport was sharing that they were in Dublin in 2007 for the St. Paddy's Day. And a band from the U.S. marched with no instruments because the airline lost their luggage. Oh, how do you so, lose that many instruments? I was thinking about that when Brian, if you missed it, South Jones will be headed to Ireland in 2026 to march in the St. Paddy's Day Parade. You can catch it back on YouTube later if you missed it or in podcast form. But when he mentioned that he that they thought about shipping all of them together in one container so they'd all be together, right? But there's a gamble with that. They're all together and get there together, or they're all together and never late or they're they're lost lost together and so would you rather be one tuba short or would you rather be all the things short if they if they're in there to um together and let me just say as a i want to say i guess a new band mom kind of my my going into the sixth grade she's going to try she tried out or whatever she's going to play the trumpet We're we're gonna have a trumpet next year um give the band a go and wow like instruments so a whole case, like a whole. Very inexpensive instrument. Yeah, right? I mean, it's like one of the cheaper things you can do for your child. Like, no, total lies. Now I say, now I know why there's renting options, there's hand me down options, there's sort of all those options because it's definitely an investment, particularly if your kid is going to continue their journey in high school in band. You start investing in better equipment. And then, particularly if that band chooses to be competitive and if your child's looking to go on to that next level, like um, one of the best advice when they go when your child goes through, uh, if you haven't ever done it to sort of, I guess, try out for the band, they they have to see which instrument style instrument that they are, uh, I guess, better naturally equipped for. You have percussion, you have woodwinds, you have um, the all the things. And a friend of mine said, just say no to the French horn. Sorry, all French horn people out there. She's like, it's the most expensive <laughs> one out Only the gate. Only the rich kids are playing French horn. <laughs> that and the oboe. Um, just, just, just a little note before you say before you say um, yes to that. And they rank your child, um, or they did in in our school district. Like I think it's like zero to five on on their little piece of paper. So when they get to the end, they kind of like know where they naturally sort of fit in. And Porny Bug wanted more than anything to. To do percussions, and God bless her. I think she got a negative one. Like the th- she, the hand, like when they start to uh, clap their hands and then move their feet, and then you have to repeat it for them. Like it, it, we're not, we're not there. We're not there. So anyway, so the trumpet. So all that to say, what about the chimes? Is that expensive? That I'm, or the tamarind, you know, that wasn't, from what I could tell, an option, but that would be like me, give me the tambourine, give me the chimes, or I'm not sure what they call the little thing that looks like a head of grapes, um, but it shakes. Um, it's, I mean, there's a type of bell, but I don't know, but I always felt like I might could, I might could pull that one out, but, um, but to all you band parents out there and grandparents, you guys have invested in your child's, um, enjoyment of the arts because it's definitely not you so i can't imagine that band who lost like the whole luggage what the what they were sweating out to sort of get and then i mean do you so 
So then do you embrace it and you just march through the entire parade with like air instruments? Like you just go for it and just like have the music in your head and, you know, doing the air guitar or the air flute or, you know, or or how do you how do you train? I mean, you still get the experience. Thank God they let them, you know, walk through it, but um, still get to participate. It's not their fault that their luggage got delayed, but I would have to or do you rush out and try to find cardboard and create stand-in instruments. I don't know how you handle that. It all depends on your, probably your band director and then parents who are willing to do things last minute um, for that. How do you lose that? I don't know. Well, I mean, sure, it's like, ask the airlines. They lose, like... But a piece of luggage, but I'm talking... I mean, they lost every, the whole band's equipment, all of it? I don't know if it was lost... Or, well, I guess lost their luggage. So lost or delayed or whatever it may be. But Matthew, um, the band, uh, the bagpiper from Hattiesburg, he said band does equal an easy scholarship. So wow. and time invested in, you know, high school memories and, and all of that. So it's definitely uh, an opportunity to get involved and to go do really cool things. I learned I didn't realize that you had to apply for like the Macy's uh, parade or obviously in Ireland. I can't remember the other one that he um, that he mentioned, but that's even cooler to think that you applied mm-hmm. for it and then you were you were chosen to to go. Did you ever do band? We didn't. We we're so small. We didn't have a band. You didn't have a band. So. We went through. I remember. Do you remember the um, recorder? Did you have to do the recorder? Mm-hmm. It's the little plastic. No, little we, thing. we did not have enough kids to. Put a choir group together. So it wasn't a choir was, group. It was part of. <laughs> I don't think it was. It was part. Did you have music class? No. Okay. Then you didn't have the recorder. Extremely small school. So I say that word, <laughs> and you either laughed, cringed, or did a combination of both because, it, like, trying to figure out the. It's trying just to teach you the different. Uh, places and whatever for your fingers and the different notes and comes with the little thing. All kids usually get it and it's awful and it sounds horrible. There's no good sort of uh, experience with it. And as soon as that class passes, parents usually find their way of getting it into the into trash. the into the trash can. I will say the only thing I said no to in my head for Neely, forgive me all of you clarinet woodwind people, is because when she blew on it, it you know, we <laughs> can't, won't do that. We can't learn that in in scare, you know, in, in the house. But um, but no, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of t- lot of fun and sort of a new experience. We've got a new experience. It's not really new experience, but it's a transition of experience coming up. the The winter the winter is gone. I think it's fair to say we may get few cooler days but i'm pretty sure we are moving into summer and then hell's front porch and then all the things that come with that here in mississippi which means how you approach your thermometers will also change some of you hold out until like right now before you've even turned your air condition on kudos to you guys who have done that whether you've opened up your windows turned on your uh, ceiling or isolating fans or whatever but this is where houses get divided. This this time of year when it comes to what to set the temperature on to leave it versus change it when you when you leave or leave it on something all day. One, usually the one that pays the bills wants it higher than sort of lower. And so over on the Good Things Facebook group, I found a um, photo that had like four different options 
of what people usually keep their house on or consider cool. They all have the word cool on it, but it's like your definition of cool temperature during the summertime. It's 68, 72, 78, or 74. What do you I mean? am very cold-natured, so you could put it on 78 and I would be okay. My wife is the exact opposite, and 68 is a little bit too warm for her. Do y'all bump it up and then bump it down? Are y'all bump it uppers, bump it downers? Uh, yes, and we have the thermostat that you can control from your phone, so we are very apt to go, she'll go change it, and then I'll change it on my phone, and then she'll go back and change it again, and constantly up and down so yes so well that's very first world so y'all fight like bump 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 yeah. bump bump, oh, bump. Yeah. that's fine okay well they they in air quotes say if you want to get the most out of your ac unit and then power bill is you leave it and it's like you save so much money for every degree up and i think they recommend around 74 it's just like I don't think my wife could go for that. Constant, never touch it, just set it, forget it. You know, like when you walk into a place of employment, and they've got like or a hospital, and they've got the, the plastic down, and it's locked, and it's like this is this is what you get. You don't have an option. You have no control over the next however many hours that you're that you're there. I don't think I like that. I I, I don't know if I could set it and necessarily forget it, and then. But it would be interesting to sort of see the difference. We are very much 74s-ish if we're leaving for the day. And then we'll, we're close to like 68 yeah. at night. So any, my, later, any lower than that, one of us is going to be absolutely freezing. And so, But usually 68 at night is a, is a happy medium. So but, the, the thermostat that I have recommends you do certain things to save money. Uh-huh. And to save the environment and all this kind of fun stuff. And uh, it'll constantly tell me, hey, if you just bump it up to 68 while you're at home, you know, you won't notice any difference. And uh, I I think that would probably cause me to get a divorce if I put it on 68. I mean, really? that's how angry my wife would get. Who okay. pays the power bill? Or does we, it come we out We pay of it together, but yeah. I see the power bill, so that's why I'm a little... Maybe you just shouldn't. Maybe that's what it should be. You should just close your eyes and let her have it. But you tell us, what's your perfect temperature? 601-879-4395. That and more coming up next. Rebecca Turner. She's smart and pretty. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. I know you want to leave me, but I refuse to let you go. If I have to beg, please, for your sympathy. Welcome back to Good Things. Don't forget we are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Supertalk Mississippi app. Hope you've downloaded that. But you can always, too, find us on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. Don't forget, too, our Supertalk Mississippi news team is covering your Mississippi stories. So stay up to date. 
and sign up for our free weekly newsletter at supertalk.fm slash newsletter. And if you were joining us earlier, know we were debating what's the perfect temperature during the summer um, heat here in Mississippi or in your household. Are you by day and then by night? And on the text line, we have a 74 by day. Oh, and they go all the way down to 72 at um, at night. And I think some of you are very you know, um, particular about the nighttime one way more than the daytime one because the information is very conflicting. One says 74-ish for saving money and you should do that. But then if you read any sleep studies or, or things on sleep, it's like 68 or even below or the colder you get it, the better it is for, you know, for you to be able be able to sleep. I know you mentioned, uh, Will, your wife sleeps, likes it very low. Is that like to help like because she can't sleep if it's higher, is that one of those things, or is it just she just likes it cold? She just likes it cold, I think. Meat yeah. locker. Meat locker. <laughs> well, it probably has something to do with the quality um, of her sleep as as well. So we have many more months to sort of fight about that. There's probably not a right or wrong. Whatever keeps your um, house happy. Ice cream keeps a lot of houses happy. Ice cream can keep you cool in the summer. But how much are you willing to pay for ice cream? It's not something I would spend a lot of money on. Well, you know, it has gotten bougie over you got rolled ice cream now. You got like the different kind of styles. And I guess if you're set in like a festival setting or something special or if you're really trying for some of those um, fun, trendier like uh, Halo Top or whatever, you can kind of get expensive in, in the different pints. But the world's most expensive ice cream. What do you think? It's probably got gold in it or something. Well, there's there's some things. There's some things in it, for sure. And it's a Japanese ice cream company. It assembled some of the world's rarest ingredients, which, number one, like, why we need that on ice cream, to create an ice cream flavor that costs $6,696 per serving. Now, I don't know how big their serving is, but my dietitian brain comes in and says, y'all need to look on the back of your Bluebell box when you say, I just had a small serving of ice cream, and actually ask yourself if you did, <laughs> because a serving of ice cream is a half a cup. And so who eats only a oh, half? a scoop. It's a scoop. It's a scoop, <laughs> basically, of, of ice cream is considered a serving, kind of like two Oreos is considered a serving per the nutritional fact panel. But um, so really you're having like five servings of ice cream um, every night. But regardless of that, I don't care if you had the whole gallon, $6,696. At what point are you just flaunting the fact that you have nothing better to spend your money on? Nobody's no nobody's buying that. No one is. If if you've got that type of money, you didn't get that type of money by spending it on ice cream. So I totally agree. The priciest treats ingredients include a rare white truffle that's grown in Italy, which costs six thousand and nine hundred dollars per pound of okay. truffle. It also includes some sort of Parmigiano, something, something, another. Whatever. I don't know. See, when you can't pronounce, see, as your dietitian, you should. It makes me think cheese. <laughs> so as your dietitian, you also shouldn't eat things you can't pronounce. So yeah. there, so there you go. Um, it's, yeah. So it, it took over a year and a half to develop with lots of trials and error. That's a taste. That is a, not just a tasty, that is an expensive trial and error. So maybe it doesn't actually cost that much. Maybe they are just trying to get their fortune back that they put over the last year and a half trying to come up with. A tasty. What if you drop those truffles on the ground? Six thousand dollars a pound. That's nuts. Does the five second rule apply? To that? <laughs> Absolutely, it does. 
So achieve, they said, though, achieving a Guinness World Record title makes effort all worth it. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Like that piece of paper is worth 50 cents on your on your wall compared to six, like $7,000 serving of ice cream. And like nothing to show for it. But I bet they would have people lined up to what's the one thing you'll spend like food wise that you will you'll drop you would drop more than average on steak. Obviously, that's probably the thing everybody would say. Or sushi. You have to appreciate sushi. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't do it all the time, but good, good sushi is worth not. I'm going to say it's not worth it, but you understand why it costs more than your yeah. Stuff grocery you get at the store. Gas station. Yes. Yeah. It's the fish quality <laughs> yeah. that's coming that's coming from it. Yeah, I, I would say and seafood is another one. Well that's sushi. I know, but I'm talking about like a certain type of fish or Derek said bourbon. Is that a food? I guess for it's some people it's their own it's their own food group. <laughs> it's a consumable. I know people that spend a lot of money on bourbon. Yes. Yeah. But ice Including cream? one about to come on the air here in a minute. He spends a lot of money on bourbon. Oh, which one is that? It's not Hey Dad. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Sorry, Hey Dad. I love you. <laughs> Stick with us. we got more for you up next. you got the boys with sports talk from 3 to 6. But Will and I will meet you back here tomorrow at 2. But until then, I hope you all find time for the good things. Yeah, good things for you. Yeah, good things for you. Yeah, good things for you. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.